On this episode of Baseball's Boring, Kai and I go through the news and the notes of the past week. Kyle gives his signature throat punches of the week. We're joined in an interview with New Day Newsday's Laura Albanese. And we finish out the podcast with our unlikeliest home runs of all time. Play ball! Kyle, welcome back into another Baseball is Boring. Buddy, it's good to be here. It's a beautiful Wednesday. Actually, not really, but, you know, you, you cross them bridge. We had two great great weather days, and it was great days. two great days for baseball. Kyle, I don't know if you know what yesterday was, but it was a pretty special anniversary in Major League Baseball. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it is the uh, second slowest home run drop in Major League history. <laughs> Beat out by only whom? Uh, that's a one, Mr. Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I don't know if beat out the uh, proper term there. It's probably slower. Um, yeah. Topped? Topped? Yeah, yeah. How about that? Oh, yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, I'm going to play that audio from that uh, Bartolo Cologne home run right now. Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one. Deep left field. That goes Upton. Back near the wall. It's out of here. <laughs> Bartolo has done it. The impossible has happened. And this actually plays out perfectly to our last segment, so we'll get to that a little bit later. A little sneak preview for the listeners. Yeah, dude, what, uh, what a great home run that was. Yeah, even if you're not a Mets fan, just seeing the reaction of, like, the Grom and, like, Noah Syndergaard, and they just, like, all rush into the uh, clubhouse. It's pretty cool. I actually liked when he hit doubles more. Yeah. Because he, he, like, he actually, actually had to run, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, he pimped it off a of, of big game James, so... Uh-huh. Fine by me. I would I would have thrown at him. Yep. Just kidding, because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's a recurring theme on uh, on this podcast. Um, yeah, so we just get into the news and the notes. Uh, probably the, one of the biggest stories for me got to be Chris Paddock. Um, this dude, absolute stud. Uh, I actually saw a tweet from Ryan Spader that made me laugh. He said the Marlins traded this guy for Fernando Rodney, who was 184 years old at the time. <laughs> um, so imagine if imagine if Chris Paddock was still in the Marlins, man. They just what are they doing down there in South Beach? Shout out Derek Jeter. Yeah, man, I was about to say you're really softballing the Derek Jeter yeah. early this yeah. game this time. Uh, I mean, obviously he's he's a well below average GM, almost like he was a well below average shortstop. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean they traded him for Fernando Rodney. I mean Chris Paddock Paddock's turning to. I mean he's only had what three, four starts so far, and he's. Yeah. Uh, pitched to a sub-2 ERA. He's pitched really well, and uh, he's already got his first beef, which I think we'll get into in a little bit. Um, um, but, yeah, no, I I like the kid. He's got some, some fire behind him, and he's got the stuff to back it up. Um, and for all the talk that said, like, obviously the Padres don't have enough pitching, like, there's more on the way. They Chris Paddock is just the first one. Like, mm-hmm. They got Mackenzie Gore. They got Ryan Weathers. Um, probably other people that are escaping my mind right now. But they've got some pitching coming. 
and 2020-2021, they're going to be a really scary team. I mean, are we even, like, sold that they're not going to be a scary team this year? Not really. I mean, they're 20 and 17. Yeah. They're only they're, they're three and a half games out. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably have no other competition in the NL West besides uh, Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers and the, the Diamondbacks are a bit above them right now, but yeah. they're they're five and ten, five and five in their last ten. I don't know if I expect that. Yeah, I mean, you, they're getting phenomenal. They have to literally a great offense. Yeah, they literally have to uh, rely on Adam Jones to carry them. Yeah, how, how nuts! It, it's almost like Adam Jones is still a good player. Shout out Eric Arditi. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's exciting to watch this kid, uh, striking out players with, uh, with the best of them right now. And, uh, shout out an earlier guest from the season, uh, Pimp, Padre Pimplord, who, uh, tweets out Paddock Day every time he starts. It's just an absolute, uh, electric factory, so. Yeah, I think it's awesome for the city of San Diego to, uh, to, to have this young kid who kind of, I don't want to say embodies, uh, San Diego, but San Diego needs like a, need like a villain, like a villain, you know, like a guy like you don't like. Like, like, Phillies fans, we hated Matt Harvey, right? right? We knew he was good. Well, he was good for, like, two years. But mm-hmm. we knew he was good He was good, and he was going to shove. Like, San Diego needs this guy who's going to just walk up and intimidate people. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not getting that from Eric Hosmer. No. You might Dude, get it from Manny, though. Every, yeah, Manny. If he's good. Him, if he's uh, good. He's been, he's been on a tear lately, too, though. So. <laughs> yeah. And he's been playing a great shortstop. I don't know if you uh, – Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> another Eric Arditi thing he does anytime he makes a uh, he makes a good play in the field he tweets out the video and it's like uh, I can't believe no major league team wanted him besides the Padres <laughs> yeah gotta love it very true though that's a, that's a very accurate statement buddy moving on Mike Fires throws a no hitter uh, I don't know about you but I didn't even like find out about this until I woke up and then I totally forgot about it until like hours later yeah, it had to be. This had to be like the quietest no hitter uh, of all time. Yep. Like, I mean, like one pitcher going from start to finish. Obviously, you get those combined no hitters. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I actually woke up, went to work, and managed to check my phone around two o'clock and found out that he had a no hitter. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was a little late on the on the the old bandwagon, but mm-hmm. that's awesome. It's second career no hitter. Uh, I mean, if you told me that Mike Fires has two no career no hitters, I'd probably smack you. Mike Fires might be one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. Yeah, I, I think he's awful, but uh, for some reason he's he's good. I don't know. Like the one year he was on the, he was on the Astros, he had like the most innings on the Astros. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might have been the World Series year. Yeah, I, I think know. that was the World Series year when they had Verlander and and Keuchel and all those guys. So yeah, because because Keuchel, Keuchel it was Keuchel McHugh Fires for most of the year. Just unreal, like that. This dude is like going under the radar, and he's still going to go under the radar because he pitches for the A's. So. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, you you said it before the show. Uh, that game had to end at what one o'clock, Probably, two o'clock yeah. in, in the morning mm-hmm. for for us East Coast East Coasters. Um, gotta love baseball on the West Coast, man. Yep. It's just, it's crazy that you can't market anybody out there because of it. Shout out Mike Trout. Uh-huh. Right, let, the, let the boys play. <laughs> Only uh, MLB would follow that. Um, wait, wait. While we're on that, while we brought up the whole Mike Trout marketing thing. Okay. So I was thinking to myself the other day. MLB, ha- I've seen Mike Trout in one Major League Baseball commercial, right? And I couldn't think of any other time that I've actually seen him advertised. Yep. Can you think of another time? Yeah, he was in a Body Armor commercial. Yeah, but that's body. That's a that's a sponsorship for him, right? Okay. Then I'm talking. I'm talking the sport he plays in. Then no. Okay, so we're on the same page. Here. <laughs> I just wanted to make that point. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, Joey Gallo. Uh, oh man, yeah, man amongst boys. Big news. 
Um, he got his, uh, what's up? I, it's, go ahead, go ahead, say the story, because it just makes me laugh. He's, he, uh, just had his, uh, 100th home run career. And, uh, guess what he doesn't have 100 of, Kyle? I'm gonna go ahead and say, because I know the answer is, uh, singles. Yeah. That's unreal. Let's think about that for a second. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I get it, like, don't they play the shift against him a lot? Isn't that a big thing? Joey Gallo shift? Uh, it's like they, they don't Four put outfielders. Anybody. Yeah, I don't think they put anybody on the, the left side of the infield. Nobody at all on the left side. He could bump for a double if he so, really wanted to. Yeah, that, maybe that's what that's what it is. He probably bunts a lot for doubles and doesn't get singles. And I'm pretty sure they tell the pitcher that like after you throw, fall off the mound to your, to, to, uh, towards your left hand, so he's even on the, the right side of the infield. Okay. This is literally perfect timing because John Heyman just tweeted this out, and I, I subscribed to him on Twitter. Joey Gallo is one of a kind. Fewest singles of all t- of all time at the time of their 100th home run. Joey Gallo is ni- 93. The next closest is Russell Brannion with 172. So that's almost twice, right? Yeah. Quick math. Quick math. Ryan almost. Howard. Ryan Howard's third on the list with uh, 176. Huh. So that's something. That is something. And that was literally perfect timing. So it kind of reminds me. Um, I don't know if you would remember this. I think it was 2009, 2010, that, that uh, time frame where uh, Carlos Pena really like started switching to the whole I'm going to hit homers thing. And uh, he had like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He had like 26 homers before the All-Star break, but he had like 17 singles <laughs> or something like that. It was it was, it was was ridiculous. And I think he finished with 39 homers and 36 singles that year. Probably hit like a buck and 90 that year or something. Yeah, it was, it was like, it was, yeah, it was something ridiculous like that. It was like that was like your your, your the first guy since like Dave Kingman or something that, to yeah, have Kingman stats like that. On that list too. Dave Kingman once hit three home runs in a game against the Phillies. Same game, Mike Trout or uh, Mike Trout, Mike Schmidt hit four. Oh, way to one up him, Schmitty. Yeah, damn right, baby. We won that game in extras. <laughs> I remember where I was. Where, where were you there? I was a, a, a twinkle in my dad's eye at okay. the time. Shout out, Big Mike. Um, Massive dispute. Um, feel, oh God, we, I feel <laughs> like we... <laughs> Moving on from the from the from Kyle's awkward comment, we're gonna bring in the massive dispute here. Great transition from your boy, from your uh, co-host. Um, man, I feel like we talk about this way too much. So I'm gonna keep this somewhat brief. Um, it was reported on the radio on Saturday that the Orioles will be moving to Las Vegas after the 2021 season. Uh, after their lease is up with Camden Yards. Later came out, the director of programming from 105.7 said, nah, that's not true. Our, our guest was not credible. So why the hell did you bring them on the show? And then you took callers after this. Anywho, uh, Orioles lost the lawsuit with the Nationals, had to pay them a reported like millions of dollars, maybe like $100 million uh, in recompense. And they're saying that no longer, they're no longer a viable team because they don't bring in any revenue. Obviously, attendance is very low. But they kind of put the kibosh on that and said, you know, they still outdraw Tampa Bay, who's in first place. They still are on par, if not outdraw the Minnesota Twins, who are in first place. Um, so that the hope is when they get good again in three to four years that they could, you know, be back closer to the top ten in attendance. So. Just want to get your brief thoughts on that, Kyle. Um, a quick comment on the the viable source thing. Um, kind of going into 
like the like bringing it to a Philly standpoint, um, the Eagles had the same issue a couple months ago when it came out that uh, this big article about Carson Wentz not being a great teammate, that kind of yeah. stuff. And it's all anonymous sources. Um, mm-hmm. And that's one of the risks you take with uh, being in the media, being a, uh, uh, especially a talk show host guy. Like you, this guy, I'm sure he talked to him and he, he probably convinced him. He's like, yeah, this is, this yeah. is a hard fact. Yeah. We can even, even look at Eric, uh, our recurring guest, Eric Arditi mm-hmm. t- tweeted out that Manny Machado was coming to the Phils last year. Yeah. And then took, he got a lot. It, it happens, and it sucks. Uh, but I think they did the right thing. Um, I'm pretty sure you said that the uh, they they apologized. They yes. it was it was it happened. Mm-hmm. It, it's gonna happen, and it sucks, but it does because then you lose you lose uh, your um, credibility. Credibility. There you go. Uh, brain fart, man. Long day. Um, and as a journalist or media uh, it, it's just person, weird. It's, it's tough. It's just weird that it's it's 105.7, which carries all the Oral games. Like, that's the flagship station. So it's just weird that it's coming from them and not, like, an offshoot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's, it, it has happened in Philadelphia before, too. Um, the When the whole Harper thing was going down, we had Angela Cataldi, who I personally think is a moron. Mm-hmm. He's awful. Mm-hmm. Um that's just my take on him, but he had he had tweeted out that Bryce Harper was going to sign for ten years, three hundred million, yeah. and he wasn't he wasn't far off. Um, um, but he stuck by his source, and that's the best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. And if he was wrong, then we probably would have made fun of him for being a moron, just like I do every day. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> He'll never. I, I don't care if he he, want, he pays us to come on the show. I don't ever want him on this show. Do you listen to a lot of uh, like Philly sports radio? I listen to so. As much as I, I just dish, dished out on Angelo, uh, mm-hmm. there's there's two stations. There's 94.1. Yeah, you got to get two because you're so huge like, compared and, to And then I think it's, yeah, I think it's like 97.3. And 97.3 is the ESPN uh, okay. flagship. Okay. Um, there's like guys like Mike Missanelli. And okay. I personally am not a fan of them um, because they everybody on that channel goes for controversy. Uh, Whereas um, – like Angelo, he'll, he'll tweet out stuff like he tweeted out the Sixers song "Suck" the ten nine eight seven. That's my that favorite just, song, uh, buddy. Yeah, I know, I love it. And he he like stirred up a lot about that, but then he'll he'll make good points about it too. Like he yeah. won't just be, and that that goes for all the co the the, the talk show hosts in Philadelphia. Yeah. They all yeah, we want to stir conversation, but we also have we can back it up. Whereas ninety seven three, I think it's ninety seven three. Um, they more more or less just they say it, callers come on, rip them apart, and like okay, yeah. But, yeah, no, I I listen to a decent amount. Yeah, uh, I've been getting into it more and more, Baltimore. um, Usually because they're one, like, when I go to work, which is pretty random because I go to work at, like, 6.30. So um, it's nice to have that in the morning. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, these things happen, but it's just frustrating to hear it. And then, I mean, I I almost fell for it. Like, honestly, I tweet something out about it. Like, I'm hearing this more and more, even though I basically have no credible sources whatsoever. So... I mean, it's just if you're if you're a normal like standard fan and you hear this and you don't know any other information, you're gonna be like, "Well, shit, we're losing the Orioles." Like, yep, it's heartbreaking. Like to think about that, and like Camden Yards is one of the most beautiful stadiums in in all of baseball, and to think that that would go vacant for years and years, that's just like a terif- terrifying thought. So, yeah, that I mean, you could talk about one of the more historical franchises, I, I guess you could yeah, say. Sure. Uh, they how long have they been in Baltimore? Uh, 1954. 1954, so that's probably that's longer than than a decent amount of the teams. I think the Bra- are the Braves even in Atlanta in 54? Are they no. they're in Milwaukee? No. Um, 
they yeah, were, they started just, in Boston, they, they, and then they went Milwaukee, and then I guess when Hank Aaron was there, they then they moved to Atlanta. But. To Atlanta, but it, it would it would absolutely kill an entire city because I mean you think what Baltimore has the Ravens then? That's it. Absolutely. No hockey, no basketball. Then, yeah, and the Baltimore it's it's got potential to be a, a really good sports town. Yeah, it it just sucks that they're that close to Washington. We got the we got the Baltimore Brigade, the uh, arena football. Arena football, yeah. They beat Atlantic City the other day, I think. Yep, yep. Got that going for us. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> um, well, the other side of the Madison dispute would be a one Washington Nationals. Uh, they stink. What's going on with them, buddy? They are god this awful. Is, you just hate to see it. You know, you hate to see. Uh, oh, Philadelphia is not good for Bryce Harper. They're gonna boo him. He's not going to like it there. He's going to be awful. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Yeah, he's batting 230. Yeah, he's not really hitting <laughs> too well. He k twice today. Should and he start the All-Star game, buddy? <laughs> I'm voting for him. <laughs> um, I am so waiting for this moment. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm voting. I, I don't know how many times you can vote, but I'm going to vote. I'm going to well, max you know out. You know he's going to win it. You know he's going to win. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Um, he'll, he'll, he'll make the, the team, and but it'll be clo- it'll be a close start. Right. Uh, whether or not he starts, because you have guys like Yelich who are going to start. Yelich is uh, definitely starting. Who, uh, breaking news, he's good. Um, Adam Jones might be able to might be pushing into an all-star, all-star spot. Uh, uh, probably an appearance. I don't think he's going to start, but he'll probably uh, he'll probably get selected. I mean, the the NL outfield is is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Soto. But, yeah, Soto. Um, probably going to get get some votes. I was looking at it and Acuna uh, probably. Trying to, I'm trying. I'm trying to think who else is in the outfit, but the outfit's crowded. Acuna, um, Marquez. Ooh, I like that pick a lot. I'm a big Ooh. fan of that. I'm about to break out my uh, Braves uh, Marquez jersey. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, the National Nationals are 14 and 22, <laughs> eight games under 500, and they have the fourth worst record in Major League Baseball. Yeah, you know happy I'll be if the Orioles uh, have a better record than them this year. Probably, you probably would be pretty happy because the second pick is is basically the first pick in yes. baseball. Yes. Like like this year, you get if you have, if you pick two, you get you get Bobby Witt or you Bobby get Rush uh, Rushman, depending on oh, man. how the Orioles go. Did you see? Um, I think it was either Jim Callis or, or John Mayo. They tweeted out uh, their their top potential number ones. That was, uh, yeah, it was that like, Mayo. It's like uh, Rush. Is it Rushman or Rashman? It's Rushman. 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 I gotta gotta get that one down. Um, but they like said that name is, for many years to come, buddy. Yeah, like, he's clearly the number one overall pick. Like, there's no ends if they're about about it right yes. now. Like, if you if you don't pick him, stop reading but, my article now. <laughs> I, I, I want to ask uh, our good friend Jim Callis, like, do the Orioles play this like, oh, because we're gonna be spending a ton of money if we if we yes. draft Rushman. That's a very good. That's a very good point. That's a very scary thought for Orioles fans. Double dip. Let's not do that. Let's not do that in her first year of misery. We'll just get the best guy and call it quits. Do they draft the first baseman first overall? No. Andrew, Andrew Vaughn? No. No. People want to hold on to Trey Mancini acting like he's the future. Listen, Trey Mancini, I love him to death. He's my favorite Oriole. He's the, he's the background on my phone. Okay, that's how much I love him. He's 28 years old. By the time the Orioles are good again, he's going to be in his 30s, and he's going to be a free agent. So why are we why are we not trading him right now? He leads the American League in hits. Let's trade the dude right now. Oh, you trade him. You trade him instantly. Yes. As soon as you get an offer that you like. Yep. Yes. You don't even you don't even mess around to try and try and get a better bit. Right. You just say here you go. Uh, we, have, we have a uh, Ryan Mountcastle who's hitting about three seventy in AAA who plays first base. 
and just lasering guys in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that video? That, that, that video was great. I, <laughs> it's going to be like the fourth time I brought him up, but Eric tweeted out. Uh, he said it's he homered, he homered the he homered the night, the night after too, and he's like, uh, "Did it hit him in the chest? If not, I don't want to see this crap." <laughs> uh, dude, I was cracking up. Great content, buddy. I want to get into your throat punches of the week. Oh, buddy, I got three of them for you today. All right, um, so we're gonna we're gonna lead it off with, um, you know, they they were an all time great, um, you know, uh, great band, arguably one of the the hits of of my early uh, childhood was called All Star. Yep, smash. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that. Um, well, I'm pretty sure they're San Francisco Giant fans. Yeah. So after this whole Bryce Harper thing, they, he was going to take a short-term deal. They were bidding for him. They were tweeting at him. Whatever. Signs with the Phillies. <laughs> see you later, San Francisco. Well, we booed him the other night for some uh, for for very good reason. He was like 0 for 11 with okay. like nine strikeouts. Okay. And and Smash Mouth had the audacity. Uh oh. To this, yo, Bryce, told you not to go to Philly, jackass. <laughs> Listen, the San Francisco Giants fans never boo their own players. You were led by money only, so swim in the sea of booze now. How much do you love your agent now? Worth the taxes you avoided? How's that forty-five minute drive to the stadium? Well, oh my god! All right, I'm gonna break this down real quick. Yeah, oh, dude, it was great. It, it, Phillies fans were going nuts over this, dude. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna run we're gonna run this run through. So. He said that they were, he was led by money. Well, first, they said he was, uh, Giants fans never boo their own players. Mm-hmm. False. I can I can think of, of uh, a, cu- a couple of occasions where they booed Brandon Belt, Pablo Sandoval, um, uh, Matt Cain got booed off the field once. Um, okay. That's that's just a couple. Next, they say something about the, uh, being uh, led by the money. He was led by the thirteen years we were giving him instead of your three because you because you guys are idiots. If you want if you want the guy, give him the years. That's wow. I, I I said it. Shots fired. Um, uh, what else? What else? Taxes he avoided. He avoided a lot of taxes, so he's making even more money. Right. Um, for, Forty-five minutes to drive to the to the stadium. He doesn't live in Williamstown. He <laughs> he doesn't. He's not my neighbor. It doesn't take him forty-five minutes to get to the stadium. Come on. You can get a police. Lives, though. No, but he can get a police escort wherever the hell he's at. Okay. It'll be a five-minute drive. All right. Um, and not to mention that, but their next concert. This is this is just person. This is personal now. Their next concert is in uh, North Carolina, I believe it is. Okay. Um, it's a jazz and R&B festival. Okay. They're the uh, they're headliners, okay. but the, the the people who are leading them off is a Journey cover band. Oh, that's how much Smash Mouth Smash Mouth has fallen off the face of the earth. <laughs> but they have to get they can't get Journey to, to open up for them. They got to get a cover band. Yeah. And I'm looking at this, and uh, you got a guy named Papa performing. Um, Not Papa Roach, just Papa. They have a an Aretha Franklin cover artist. Okay. Um, I kind of want to go to this this uh, festival now. You're kind of enticing me. It's really easy, easy now. <laughs> would you like to go see Cupid and the Dance Party Express show? I would. I actually would. Personally, I also would like to see that. That's just <laughs> that, that sounds like an absolute that's electric a, factory. I knew that's I knew that's where you were going. Uh, um, oh, uh, Brian Howe. Do you know who Brian Howe is? Hmm. No, I do not. Uh, no. Former lead singer of Bad Company. I'm in. I don't even know who Bad Company is. They're probably, How whatever. dare you? Um, Look but, at the song Bad Company by Bad Company. It's like, uh, isn't there a song called Who by the Who? Or by Who? Who are you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Smash Mouth. Done with them. Cut, cut them off. I deleted all star off my phone. I blocked them on Twitter. I didn't because I, I, I enjoy their content So when it comes to baseball. Don't so. you think it's a little 
little bit of an overreach to block them? Yeah, no, that's why I, yeah, I didn't. I, I'm just... Okay. Say, so what if they tweet out new, new songs? You want to be on that content. Nah, I, I will not listen to a Smash Mouth song the rest of my life. I'll Coming out of Philadelphia. Dude, don't. I guess, what, I guess what the uh, the ending song of this podcast is going to be. If, if it's all, I probably will just cut it out after I say peace. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> right. Moving on, we got uh, Callie in Connecticut. Okay. Now, Callie decided to call in um, to a New York radio station the other day. They had a, it was a Mets, predominantly Mets show, and uh, they called in because Chase Elliott was on. Mm-hmm. And she said something about. Um, that time when Chase Elliott broke Ruben Tejada's leg. Yes. Um, called him a dirty player. Said mm-hmm. She said, I'm, I'm really happy with the stuff you do for kids and, and animals, but you were a dirty player on the field. <laughs> now, granted, Chase Elliott was voted um, the scary or the most intense player, most feared player in Major League Baseball at one point. <laughs> Why? Because he played the game the right way. He broke. He, sure. Shortstops hate. Shortstops hate. Second basemen hate him because he broke up mm-hmm. double plays. Mm-hmm. That, that, that slide, was it a little late? Eh, it's a toss-up. Yeah, maybe. Did he break? Did he break Ruben Tejada's leg? Listen, I don't know. I never saw the X-ray. Listen, Cali, we can neither, neither confirm nor deny, but Cali from Connecticut is it? Yes, from has Connecticut. never seen Pete Rose play. Yeah, exactly. She is. She is the exactly what's wrong with baseball with with a, a small minority of baseball fans okay. who they don't. She, I, have you think she ever sat through a three and a half hour game? Probably mm, not. She wants a game in. She wants an hour and a half game. She wants to be in and out, so she can be home by by nine o'clock. Come on, that's not baseball. Right. Breaking up a double play—that's not that. That's baseball. Mm-hmm. Not wanting if your shortstop doesn't want to get doesn't want to get the crap kicked out of him. Yeah. Throw the, get rid of the ball a little sooner. Okay. Eat the ball. Do do something. You don't you don't have to stand there and take sure. take a chase out lead missile drop kick, which it absolutely was. I don't know if you ever seen the Eric. <laughs> I have. I've the seen. Eric. Have you seen the Eric Burns analysis of it? Yeah, I, I did actually. <laughs> like karate chops that the uh, <laughs> dude, it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Callie from Connecticut. Number three on the list is Jordan Dadime underscore. Please elaborate. So Jordan Dadime underscore thought it would be a good idea. You know what? I'll slide into in the Bryce Harper's DMs on Instagram. Oh, I'll slide into the Instagram DMs. You know what? I'll let him know. Hey, actually, I have the the post right here. Hey, handsome, I'm Jordan. I'm just trying trying to be a stress reliever with an emoji. Oh, this one, the smiley face. <laughs> yep. um, that's good radio, by the way. Uh, <laughs> this one, <laughs> and it's a it's a it's a it's a great picture of her. Um, but that being said, she didn't slide into into Bryce Harper's DMs. Nope. She slid into Kay Harper's DMs, who is the wife of Bryce Harper. Nice. If you're trying to be someone's stress reliever on the road. I don't think it's smart to slide into the wife's DMs. I don't know how it works, but how stupid can you be mm-hmm. to slide into uh, a, some a wife's DMs, right? Sure. So uh, I don't know if how much you follow uh, uh, Barstool and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. Ellie. Okay. Um, Ellie's a real short girl. She slid into JD Martinez's DMs. Oh wow! It was it was on her podcast. She, she mentioned it, and um, was smart about it. You know, DM the actual player, not the wife. Right. I don't know if J.D. Martinez is, is married or not, but I'm just as a for Good for uh, in a comparison. Yeah. Like how dumb? Like honestly, how dumb can you be? Mm-hmm. Or at least like go up to him. One, he's a Mormon. He's very very religious. Bryce Harper. So I don't. Uh, Bryce Harper, huge. Really? Huge, huge religion. That's one of the reasons that. he signed. 
that's one, one of the reasons why he didn't want an opt-out. Is, um, yeah. So this, this is what I heard is in the Mormon faith, right around age uh, 25, you, you settle down and like permanently. Yep. Right. Um, and that's one of the reasons why he left high school early. Because oh, wow. he, he, he didn't want to be a free agent uh, two, three years later than he normally would be. <laughs> and uh, that's why he, he didn't want an opt-out, and that's why he wanted the 13th year. Uh, but I get it mixed up with Trout, because Trout went signed for 14. Yeah, he had to one-up him a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, one, one year for $100 million, uh, extra million dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, so those are my third punches. Jordan Dime underscore Smash Mouth and Callie from Connecticut. <laughs> what a crew this week. What an absolute uh, squad you got going on there. I literally was sitting on Twitter going through the Smash Mouth, and, and I saw this thing about Bryce Harper, and I'm like, these are these are perfect for... I was like, I, they, it was enough to piss me off. And that's all you have to do to get on this this segment, is piss me off the slightest. Honestly, it's my favorite favorite segment, because I just like to see you get heated. Oh, uh, dude. What, what was I getting heated on the other day? <sighs> was it Reese? Oh, it was Reese's, uh, yeah. and the idea of throwing at a batter is fine, yeah. But mm-hmm. It's okay. Do you follow that, Relax. uh... That one Mets fan on Twitter, uh, Meek Phil. No, dude, he's the funniest person I follow on Twitter. I know I don't say that every time, but like I find somebody new each week. <laughs> like the week I found like Barry McCockner, I'm like, oh, he's the funniest guy I follow on Twitter. And then I found, oh, dude, he's my he's my favorite follow without pretty, a doubt. He's pretty funny. He's um, so. uh, him, and then I saw and then I found Padre Pimpler, and I'm like, oh, he's the funniest guy. Not every week it changes. It's fine. I'm trying to one up my uh, Twitter follows. There's a, there's a lot of funny people on base on baseball Twitter. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to move on to our interview with Newsday's Laura Albanese. We now welcome on Laura Albanese. Laura writes for Newsday, and you can follow Laura on Twitter at Albanese Laura. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Okay, Laura, so my first question for you is, obviously in New York, the uh, one of the big storylines is they both signed – two new second basemen. Um, I wanted to get your feeling on both of them, and I think uh, we, we'll start in Queens with Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Robinson Cano has a really distinct and important impact on the Mets, and you don't really see it because in the first couple games of the season he was struggling a little bit, but that was a veteran presence that that clubhouse really needed, especially when you have a guy like Ahmed Rosario at shortstop, and then you have Pete Alonso, and you have Justin Steele. And I think now that he's picking it up with the bat, that's really important. Uh, Before he got hurt in his hand, uh, he had like a 360 average over the 12 prior games. And that indicates to me that he's getting in a groove. But what's most important, I think, when you're dealing with Cano in that situation is that because of the steroid suspension, a lot of people were worried that when he came back, he wouldn't be able to replicate the same kind of stats that he had the year prior in his all-star year. But I think this is slowly showing that maybe he'll be able to get back to that place. Obviously, his age indicates that he wouldn't be able to to sustain that for a long time. But I think Brody Van Wagenen is kind of banking on the fact that, you know, he's going to be a really important piece of this offense for the next couple of years. No, absolutely. Um, And then right across uh, in the Bronx, you have DJ LeMay, who's off to a uh, kind of a tour Start with the with the bat, especially on the injury riddled Yankees. He's up up to uh, three thirty now. Um, what what does he mean to the Yankees? You know, he's kind of an interesting figure. Yesterday, after he hit that walk off single, we were in the clubhouse where you talked to him, and he was almost hesitant to be in the limelight, which you don't really get with players in the Yankees because they're so used to it. But coming from Colorado, which is 
a place where that doesn't happen quite as much. He didn't quite know what to do with that, which I thought was kind of interesting and a little bit cool. Um, but he, he means a lot to this team. He really, really does. I mean, this is a team that as good as they are and as good as they were coming into the season, didn't really have a lot of defensive stability on the infield. And, and he provides that. And above that, I mean, he's played in 30 of the 35 games. So when you have a player like that on a team that has had 34 different lineups in 35 different games, that's absolutely huge. And, you know, when I look at LeMahieu, I see a guy who really knows how to produce. Um, I think I was looking at some advanced stats a couple of days ago, and, like, his weighted runs created are extremely high. And that was something that was interesting to me because since he had come from Colorado with that, that type of environment where balls just fly, it indicated someone who was going to go on a downturn when he comes back to New York, but we're not really seeing that. And I think that's because he hits balls really, really hard. And even though he has a hard bab- a high at BABIP, rather, I think it's more the fact that he's hitting the ball well and then to correct places rather than just getting lucky. So I think LeMahieu is actually going to produce for a really long time. And that's another situation where Brian Cashman has really looked at the market and found someone where he could get a really good player for good value. No, definitely. Um, and then I just wanted to get your, uh, your thoughts on the Mets pitching staff, obviously uh, outside of DeGrom. I, uh, from what I'm reading here, it says that DeGrom has the best ERA with a three, six Oh, and obviously coming off the Cy Young last year, that's not too great. It seems like they've struggled for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is it a combination of injuries or is it just a bad start to the season for them? Or what do you, what do you, what are your thoughts? You know, I, I'm generally a type of person who looks at stuff like that and be like, oh, my God, it's horrible, and they're going to be horrible forever. But I don't necessarily think that that's the case here. I think this is a little bit of a case of just getting off to a slow start. Uh, when you look at DeGrom, uh, he had obviously three really, really bad starts, which were only really, really bad if you're Jacob DeGrom, but were actually you know, not that terrible if you're just like, like a normal pitcher. And he's getting back to the to the place where he's locating pitches the way he's used to, and he's confusing batters the way he's used to. And with Syndergaard, he, I mean, two starts ago, he had one of the best games of his career. And he also hit the home run. And again, he's also the case where it's been three starts where he is not necessarily pitching to the best of his ability. And some of it really is just bad luck. Uh, the BABIP against him has been really high. I think it's almost 400. Um, but then again, his home runs are also up. And it's just, a, and many major league baseball players can hit his fastball. So it's really about those secondary pitches and how he's executing them. But unfortunately, he's been using his slider less. He's been using his curveball less. And I think if he just goes back to his slider and his curveball a little bit more, he'll be okay. Uh, the velocity on those two pitches has also dipped a little bit. So for him, I think once he learns how to mix up all his secondary pitches with that fastball, he'll be fine. With the other two guys, with uh, Stephen Matz, with Jason Vargas, obviously they're hurt. I don't think either injury is all that bad, and I don't think either player has shown anything to be worried about. After the terrible season that Jason Vargas had last year, he's really shown signs of improvement, and so has Stephen Matz. And Zach Wheeler has really been a stabilizing force for the last couple of years. Well, sorry, the last year. And I think he's going to continue on that trend this year. 
Yeah, so Laura, uh, kind of sticking with the Mets, I guess this might be more of a, a Padre story, but uh, obviously Pete Alonso was off to the towards start that he was to the season. Mets mm -hmm. uh, went ahead and, and decided that they should bring him up to, to start the season on opening day. Um, you know, he hits like 10 bombs or so, wins Rookie of the Month. And then uh, we get some comments from Chris Paddock. I don't think, you know, that aggressive. But was there any sort of reaction to Paddock's comments from the Mets clubhouse? So I wasn't there the day after Paddock pitched or the end the day before Paddock made those comments. But can I just say, as someone looking from the outside in, that I absolutely loved it. Did <laughs> yes, you? Okay. What do you guys think about it? No, we're, okay. we're totally in agreement with I, you. I loved it. I think this stuff makes baseball fun. Yes. Thank you. I don't know. He, I mean, these are two rookies. These are two guys who are really doing well their first year. They're excelling. And then, you know, Chris Paddock comes out with that, with just that confidence. And, I mean, why oh. else do we watch baseball if not to be entertained? True. Very so, true. yeah, okay. He, he's super mad he didn't get rookie of the month. All right, he'll try better next month. <laughs> and I don't necessarily think that the Mets – were that angry? Mm -hmm. Obviously, all these guys are competitive. They're major league baseball players. They want to win. I'm sure Pete Alonzo was like, "Oh well, how dare you?" Whatever. I mean, he's a very nice man, <laughs> so he's not going to get too angry. Right. But I, I cannot, I cannot get overly excited about his comments. And you want to know what? He backed it up, and that's the most important thing. Yep. Seven two thirds shutout innings, four hits. What was it? Eleven strikeouts. That's mm -hmm. amazing. Yep. And you're a rookie, so he's doing the right thing. He's making baseball interesting. He's being dominant. He's playing well. And believe it or not, I don't think opposing fans should get that angry because that makes the opposing players play even harder. They get angry. They want to produce. Let's just have this stuff keep going. Yeah. So uh, shifting gears now to the Bronx. Um, did want to talk a little bit about the Yankees. Uh, obviously just a crazy amount of injuries to start the year. So they've kind of had these mm -hmm. uns unsung heroes almost um, that have really stepped up. Um, the first guy I want to talk about is Giovanni Urshela. Um, I think he, he actually led that rally last night before they walked it off against the Mariners. Just talk about the impact. Yeah, I was that there for that had. one. It's been cool to watch. Yeah. I, I got to be honest. I it, Just kind of being in that situation where, you know, when, when only few players get hurt, you got Aaron Judge going down. Yeah, Jack Carl standing going down, Luis Severino, these huge, huge players. And that's kind of who you identify the Yankees as being, these superstars. And to have these kids come up and do as much as they have has been incredible. But uh, Gio Urshela, is, I, that's a story you wouldn't expect. I mean, I remember I've been covering the Yankees five, six years now. And, and a couple weeks ago, I had someone ask me on Twitter, how did Gio Urshela get on the Yankees? And I had to Google it because I didn't remember. Like, nobody knew where Gio Urshela came from. Yep. It seemed like he just showed up in a locker one day, and hello, I'm here. Mm -hmm. uh, but they got him for cash considerations about a year ago, and he, and he shows up, and he has all this promise, but not necessarily the kind of, I don't know, fervor right. that comes with a guy with his name because he's, he's defensively sound, but he can't hit. That's, that's the story on him. But the story on him now is, oh, all right cool that we didn't sign Manny Machado like, <laughs> for that amount of money. Gio Urshela was making yeah. $550,000 this uh -huh. year as opposed to $300 million in, in whatever contract he has. And it's it's been great for the Yankees. And I think it's provided a sigh of relief. He's, again, like I talked about before, the most important thing is being a stabilizing presence 
when you have a team in flux, and Gio Rochella provides that. He didn't have a great day defensively yesterday. I, he committed one error, but then he also cut down two people at the plate. Mm-hmm. And then he hits that two-run home run. And when you hear him talk about it, he's like, this is exciting. And then uh, it wasn't me. It was somebody else in the media scrum asked him, did you know that you could always do this? Did you know that you could offensively produce? And he's like, oh, I always knew this was in me. Hmm. And what you have with Giorgella is an extremely intelligent hitter. Someone who knows how pitchers are pitching to him and knows how to react to it, which I think is important. Is he always going to make hard contact? Not necessarily, but he knows how to approach an at-bat, which is good. And especially when you have Miguel Andujar, who's had his struggles at third base and has that partially torn labrum in his shoulder, he provides something at third base that I think is going to be really important to the team. And he also has no options left, so he's not going anywhere for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's definitely turning some heads, and he has an OPS over 900, so didn't see that one coming. Mm-hmm. No, no, nobody did. Um, and then I just want to finish off with a pitcher for the Yankees, Domingo Herman. Uh, he mm-hmm. is just putting up, I mean, like Cy Young-like statistics so far. And I think, you know, with, with Severino going down, um, they, they weren't going to have Jordan Montgomery to begin the season. I think he's really stepped up for the Yankees. Do, is there any tweaks that he made in the offseason or any changes in his windup that you can see? So I've seen a couple changes, but sometimes with pitchers, I don't believe in the whole, like, oh, my God, he has intangibles that you can't see. But with pitchers, I kind of make an exception. Uh, with Herman, I think it's mostly in his brain. Okay. A lot of it was just, confidence and his ability to execute and the reason that that is is because his primary most dominant pitches is curveball mm-hmm. so he's not necessarily blowing people away but when you use your uh, your curveball the way that you throw it you need to be fluid and you can't rush it so if you're freaking out on the mound you tend to kind of rush your delivery a little bit and it screws up your mechanics and suddenly your your curveball is hanging right in the middle of the strike zone mm-hmm. so what i had heard is that he was working with larry rothschild in the post, in, in the, rather in spring training, and they were looking for a way to kind of calm him down on the mound, so he was able to have that fluid delivery, allows him to have that curveball that just completely confuses hitters, and it turned out that they were able to figure it out. They were able to calm him down to the mound to the point where his mechanics and his execution were where they wanted it to be, and so I was looking at this stat a little while ago where it said that his curveball it was his most used pitched. And I think it was about like 35%, which is fairly high for a curveball. It was more than a four seam. So being able to use that and then coming back with a slider, like you know, a fastball, everything else, mm-hmm. you've got hitters completely off balance because his, the way that he's throwing that ball is so fluid to the point that at his release point, hitters are getting confused as to what he's throwing. Right. And then when they do realize what he's throwing, the break is so immaculate that they're not able to hit it. Yeah, I mean, all good points. Um, definitely give Laura a follow on Twitter. If you're, you know, even if you don't follow the Mets or the Yankees, she puts out really good content. Um, Laura, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Okay. Thanks, Laura. Here's an interview with uh, Laura Albanese, such a sweet uh, guest, I'd say. Uh, covers both the Mets and the Yankees. What a great interview. Yeah, she uh, had some really good points. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. I had an opportunity to interview her this time. I know we had interviewed her before. Had some audio problems. Yep. We're able to reschedule. She was kind enough to come back on the uh, on the show, and I was able to make it this time. So, yep. uh, very ex- very excited that I had the opportunity to talk to her. Yeah, 
we enjoyed it. Um, all right, moving on to our final segment. We are going to go through the unlikeliest home runs of all time. Kyle, I have a list of the top ten. Uh, ESPN actually put this out back in 2016, and I'm going to read them off to, to you. And I'm actually going to give you, when I get to yours, I'm going to give it to you. So, Okay. Are you ready? Number 10. I thought this would be way higher in the list. Uh, and I actually mentioned this earlier in one of our podcasts. Uh, Kirk Gibson. Game 1 of the 1988 World Series. Uh, says, Gibson is the one legitimate slugger on this list. But his walk-off home run against Dennis Eckersley was still unlikely. Given that Gibson could barely stand as he hobbled to the plate. Meekly fouled off a few pitches. And on the 8th pitch of the at-bat... Went deep, and it's one of Vince Scully's uh, greatest calls of all time. What are your thoughts being number 10? Um, yeah, I, you would assume it's a little bit higher on the list, but I feel like the list is mostly guys who don't hit a lot of home runs. You are correct. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably why it's so low. Cause you, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to talk about Brandon uh, Woodruff eventually. Is that on there? He is not on the list because this oh, was, it was before. He, this it was in before. 2016, yeah. Right, 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 right. So um, he would definitely make it now, but yeah, but uh, yeah, Kirk Gibson. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen full the full video of that at bat? Um, not the. I don't know if I've seen the full video with the eight pitches. So, so if you watch that video, he literally looks like a tee baller, yeah. like he who like doesn't know how to swing mm-hmm. because of that he had shoulder, knees, hip, mm-hmm. back, yep. and something else, something else. But he's such a gamer that he he goes out because it's the World Series, right? And uh, yeah, probably Vince Scully's most iconic call of all time yeah i'd say so um and me not being a Vince scully guy that takes a lot for me to say i'm impressed i'm really uh, proud of you for saying that it's a big man it takes a big man to say that and my growing up probably not because about five minutes ago i put, said i was going to punch a girl in the, in the throat so. <laughs> uh we'll take a rain check on kyle's maturity so <laughs> can we make a twitter meter it reminds me of uh you ever see pft commenters uh joe flacco is elite uh meter mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it that same style. I like it. Or they, they do the. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the four play boys. It's it's a it's a golf, golf one, and they golf, yeah. as the Tiger Woods uh, kind of back, almost back, oh, yeah, 100% back. Actually, yeah, yeah. Dude, I was crying when I saw that. But. <laughs> uh, number nine is actually your pick for this list. Uh, if you want to talk about it briefly. Yeah. Um, so when we were talking about the segment, and um, you said, "Why don't we do in honor of Bartolo Colon's anniversary?" Uh, why don't we do the most unexpected home runs of all time? And I said, I already got mine right yep. away, right? Yep. Um, and mine is Scott Pesednik, mm-hmm. who hit a walk-off homer in the 2005 World Series for the White Sox after going homerless, I'm pretty sure, for the entire season went, and most of the season before. All right, so so this is what the paragraph says. Pesednik homered 12 times in 2004, okay? He had 12 home runs in 2004. He went homerless in 507 at bats in 20 in 2005, and this is the first one he hit in the division series. And let's say he hit one in the division series, but he topped that oh in the World Series with a walk-off home run against Brad Lidge off the Astros as they went on to win the series in a four-game sweep. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I actually forgot that he went deep in the division series, but um, yeah, home run drop-off like that, you assume the dude's got nothing Best left time in the to get tank. Hot, for, am I right? For, oh, without a doubt. How many times do we see a team get hot in September and then they win the World Series? Yeah. Like 2007 Rockies. Shout yeah, out that. That's the first, thing I thought, the first team I thought of. They beat, they swept the Phillies. The Giants did that one year. Or the Cardinals? Yeah. Was the Cardinals that won like 83 games? And then they yeah, won the World but they, won, they won like 12 of their last 13 and won oh, a wild card and then, and then beat the Phillies in the division series. 
Shout I was at yeah. yeah. I was at Game Five of that series. Yeah. Sorry to bring up uh, bad memories, but yeah, it was it was a great game to watch. If the, if the only thing that would have been better is the Phillies to win. You had Halliday. It was Halliday Carpenter mm-hmm. and uh, Halliday. Or no, this I'm thinking of different. I'm thinking when they won in 06. Okay. 06 is when is when they got hot. Okay. But it was it, anyway. It was Carpenter Halliday. It was a one nothing shutout. The Cardinals scored in the top of the first, and that was it. Um. Yeah. And so number eight on this list would be Randy Johnson. At the time with the Arizona Diamondbacks. This reads, the big unit is one of the 101 players to bat at least 500 times with just one home run and finish with an average under 200. His career average isn't quite the lowest of the group. That would belong to Aaron Harang, .094. Randy Johnson hit 125 uh, with a career 292 strikeouts and 602 at-bats. His lone home run came off Brewers lefty Doug Davis in 2003. That's something. I wanted to. I'm, I'm interested, interested in this because Randy Johnson, obviously one of the most dominating pitchers of all time. Mm-hmm. How many pitchers took him deep? Do you think? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like I feel like I remember the first one. Okay. But I, I can't tell you who who the guy was, but I remember hearing about like re, or watching the replay or something like that. <laughs> you do you do, you do the research while I read you the uh, number number seven on the list. Okay. All right. This would belong to. Oh God. This 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 hurts right to the core. 1969 World Series against my beloved Orioles. All right, Al Weiss of the amazing New York Mets, Game Five. He's a light hitting infielder, so at least wasn't a pitcher. Uh, seven career home runs, just a 2.19 career average, and over 1,500 at bats. Weiss became a Mets legend when he hit a game tying home run in the seventh inning off Baltimore's Dave McNally. Shouts out Dave McNally for one, being one of the four 20 game winners in 1970 for the Orioles. In the Miracle Mets series clinching victory. So, this was game five when they actually won the series. Yeah, I mean, it sucks for the Orioles, but. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? The amazing, amazing Mets. Um, yeah. That's what that's the best part about play, uh, playoff baseball, man. You just never you know. You never know. Um, you never you know. You get. I, I don't know. He might be on the list, too, but Joe Blanton. Um, I don't think I saw him there. No, sure. that's, fi- that's fine. That's cool. I'm not. I'm not. Who wrote this article? Because I think I'm going to talk about him a little this bit next is, week. This uh, is your boy. I see him on Buster Olney's podcast all the time. Your boy Dave Schoenfield. Oh, he's a Philly guy too. That sucks. Yeah, there you go. Uh, damn, how, I can't punch one of my own. Didn't want to be home. Uh, that's all right. But uh, you get you get pitchers going deep in the World Series. That's that's what that's my thing. That's the best part about playoff baseball, especially the World Series. Brandon Woodruff. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a bomb too. That was a no <laughs> doubt. Pretty sure he bat flipped. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. It's so 2018. Buddy, did you find any info on Randy Johnson? I did not, my friend. It, it's all I'm seeing is uh, the first thing that popped up was watch uh, watch Marcus Thames hit a home run uh, on the first pitch he saw against Randy Johnson 16 years ago. Can we just talk about the fact that I totally got Marcus Thames and Eric Thames confused, and I thought they were the same person. I actually completely read that as Eric Thames right there. I completely okay. thought, thought the same thing. Yeah. So, just a thing. Like, are they related? Can, uh, I don't know actually. Um, but when when Eric Thames came back from Japan, I'm like, oh, Marcus Thames, re- renewing his career. I'm like, no, that's not the same person. Different guy, buddy. Different guy. All right, so I'll run through the top six uh, somewhat quickly. I won't read read off the whole thing. This is actually my pick for my most unlikely home run. That would be Ozzie Smith, the wizard. He's come back uh, way back in 1985 in Game 5 of the NLCS. This is the famous Jack Buck. Uh, quote, go, go crazy, folks, go crazy. Uh, 
So that's that. Um, number five, Tom Lawless in the 1987 World Series, also of the Cardinals. Uh, just hit two home runs, blah, blah, blah. But he was confident enough that he got in this one. And he flipped the bat before there was Jose Bautista. So he, he was one of the originators of the playoff bat flip. I actually, I actually have seen that video, and it's an, it's a, it's a pretty good one. Okay. They, they if actually, I'm thinking of the right guy. Yeah, they embed the uh, video in the uh, in the article, so I'll send that to you right now. Um, number four. Here's a here's a name going way back. Esteban Yan. Oh. Of the 2000 Tampa Bay Devil Rays, he pitched in 472 games over an 11-year career. He went on to chalk up a single and sacrifice bunt in later his career, but it was the first pitch he ever saw. Wait a second. But he had just three career plate appearances after never batting in his entire minor league career and hit a home run. That's impressive. That's and he, uh, and he Adam, did it on the Adam first Wayne pitch of his career. Thing. Yeah. That's and for an awful race team too. Yeah. I'm sorry, Devil Rays team. Devil Rays. Yeah. Um. Okay. So number three on the list, uh, Dwayne Kuyper. Is that how you pronounce that? I guess. I would assume so. Um. He. <laughs> Let me just read this paragraph for you. Kuyper holds the record, and this is 1977. Holds the record for the most career plate appearances with just home run, 3,754. That's insane. That's a career. Like, like, got, a, like, a, like a long career. And he got it off of Steve Stone. So that's a, that's a you know, that's a recognizable name, at least. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So. Well, can, you imagine, can you imagine being that guy? Being like, yeah, I had a 16-year a, a career or whatever, something like that. But uh, got off they, Steve they, Stone. You, see, you see this guy at the bar and like, yeah, I took him deep. I have one career home runners off him. <laughs> yeah, he no sucks. I, 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 dude, I'd, be, I'd, I'd be putting my AirPods in and everything. <laughs> Get the cigarette. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of a good one. Uh, Steve Stone, Stone Sour, Stone Sour, something other Stone. Don't matter. Kuiper in four. <laughs> Kuiper in four. All right, number two on the list um, would be a one Rick Camp. 1985 Atlanta Braves. Camp was a pitcher with an 074 lifetime average and one home run and 175 career at bats. That home run came in his final season in one of the wildest regular season games ever played. With fireworks scheduled for after the game, the Mets and the Braves went extra innings after the game had already been delayed by rain. Both teams scored twice in the 13th inning. The Mets scored in the top of the 18th inning. And with two outs in the bottom of the, of the 18th, Camp had to hit. And the Braves were out of position players. Improbably, he homered off an 0-2 pitch off of John Sterling set up to the Callis Classic. The game went to the 19th inning. <laughs> you have to watch the whole video to see Lenny Dykstra's reaction in the outfield. The Mets finally won in 19 innings, scoring five runs after the Braves had scored twice. The, fi- <laughs> the fireworks went off at 4 a.m. Uh, the neighbors got ahead of him. Pissed. That's hilarious, dude. 4 a.m. That's a uh, what a what a game though. That'd be exciting. How many people do you think stayed for the entire game? <sighs> I, don't, I don't know, man. Uh, you probably, Better question. You're probably down to like less than 100. Better question: Would you have been there for the entire game? Uh, I'm I'm gonna be real and say no. All right, flip side. We're gonna keep we're gonna keep climbing until you say yes. Okay. Um, it's a Friday night game. Yeah, I mean I'm there. Let's be real. I'm there. Yeah. I'm see, pa- I'm see, my for thing, the fireworks. I'm getting damn fireworks. My thing is like I don't really care about calling out of work, so I will call. I'm I'm literally waking up at that time anyway, so I'll just call out on my way home from the game. <laughs> just pull an all nighter. Exactly. That would suck. 
I'd be there. Okay. Screw it. I like, I like the spirit. Um, number one, I think it kind of goes without saying, but I'm gonna say anyway. And I'm Bertola Cologne going deep, 2016, off James Shields, big game James. The announcers are literally laughing as he's like rounding the bases. Um, yeah, I mean, we we mentioned it earlier in the show. Uh, like, he was he was made fun of for the way he hit. Yeah. Like and how bad he was, but all of a sudden. You know, any given day, it's a beautiful part about the sports. Yep. Uh, he gets a fastball down the middle. He just happens to turn on it and he hits mm-hmm. it. And it wasn't it wasn't a cheapie. It was a bomb. It was a bomb. It hit that uh, that that building in uh, left field Petco. Yeah, 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 the uh, uh, the not the warehouse warehouse in Baltimore. Yeah, Manny Machado hit one into like the the fourth. Oh. But yeah, uh, I mean, Bartolo Colon. You probably could have bet like. I'm sure the odds were like 2,100 to 1 that he yeah. hits a home run. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. And the sad part is, I would have put 10 bucks on it, without a doubt. Yep. That's what they, see, that's what they need for this. Uh, they're integrating like live game betting into baseball. They need to integrate that. And like you'll see like Padres fans like betting on Cologne to do that, and then like going nuts when he does, and you're like, why are they celebrating? But, yeah. Like, like, there's gonna be people in the stands who win like ten thousand dollars on a twenty dollar bet. Yeah, it's gonna be. Like, that's baseball needs it. Basically, make baseball fun again. I'm telling you, like, you're gonna have instances where it's like, okay, on this pitch, a thousand and one odds, it's a triple play, and it happens. Yeah. And you bet twenty, twenty, twenty bucks. And all of a sudden, you don't have to work the rest of your life. That'd be nuts, man. I'm gonna lose so much money when they end up integrating. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna need to get it. I'm going to need to get a second job. Yeah, for real. The frig. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we end the pod? Uh, I don't think so. I think that about uh, about wraps it up. I just want to shout out my boy John Means from the Orioles. Uh, dude is rocking a 2.48 ERA. Um, and as an Orioles fan, I'm not really used to seeing anything resembling a decent starting pitcher. So, I'm enjoying this. He was never, like, a top prospect. I don't think he was ever a top 15 prospect in the system. And he literally just found this ungodly changeup in the offseason. And he's lights out against the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When you, you tweet, I think it, you tweeted out something like he's a bad man or something like that. Bad man. Stephen A. Smith for you. You tweeted that out. And I was like, all right, I know he's an Orioles fan. I know he's a Ravens fan. Yes. So, I'm assuming it's one of them, too. I was leaning towards Orioles because yes. I've never heard of John Means. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I was going to go look it up, but I scrolled and I saw Eric tweet something. I yep. saw um, Kyle Andrews tweet something. Yep. yep. And um, I would see other guy from from Birdland that follows me. Uh, was it from Birdland Radio? N- uh, not Birdland, uh, Birdland Radio, but the uh, or not Section Three uh, Three Thirty Six. Was it from that day though? Yeah, it's from that day. It was the, the the dude who came in the booth with us. Oh, uh, Vasilios. Yeah, yeah, yeah Vasilios. That's it. I couldn't think of his name. Yeah. Um, and I also didn't know how to pronounce it, so I was hoping, <laughs> hoping you you would say it. Uh, it. But yeah, he tweeted out something. I'm like, guy, oh, it's definitely an Orioles player. I don't even gotta yeah. look it up anymore. So shout out, shout out, you guys for for being consistent on Twitter. Cool, cool, cool. Um, how can the good people follow us, Kyle? Buddy, you can follow us on iTunes. Um, you can subscribe to our podcast if you want. You can leave us a five star rating. Um, if you like the if you like the content, if you don't like the content, you can still leave us a five star rating because I'm asking you to. I'm asking from the bottom of my heart. Um, you can leave a comment uh, there. You can also follow us for updates on Twitter. We try and put out uh, 
some 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 good content on there. Uh, we put out our giveaways on Twitter as well. Yep. Um, that's baseball's boring. Baseball's boring on Twitter, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to actually remember it. Because <laughs> um, I, I got to double check. Because I know our email is different than. Um, yeah, but anyway, boringpod at gmail.com If you want to email us. Yeah. So feel feel free to. Um, we can talk about how bad Derek Jeter is. Okay. That's besides the point. Um, all right. So we got iTunes is baseball's boring. Twitter is baseball's boring. Um, you can find us on Google Play at baseball's boring. Yep. Uh, bu- 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 SoundCloud at baseball's boring. Don't even mention and, the last one. No, you don't want me to mention <laughs> Stitcher. I mean, they're, they're still uh, in uh, in progress or in maintenance or whatever you want to call it. Oh, okay. So yeah, well, when maintenance is done, you can find us on Stitcher, whatever the hell that is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, those are. Uh, feel free to follow us, subscribe. You can talk to us on Twitter. Freaking, we're working on we're working on a bunch of stuff. YouTube. We're we're talking about doing a live show. That's pretty exciting stuff. Yes. Um. We're waiting on. I'm still waiting on an answer from a couple of people that I reached out to, but uh, we have all the means to do a live show. I think we have a a game plan. We we briefly talked about this last year and this year doing like a drunk show. Yes. We could do like a drunk live show, which would be that would be great. And we not that it pertains to the podcast, but we still have to do Jeopardy, Jeopardy yes. drinking game. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. God we talk. <laughs> we actually. For a while there, me and you, always, the only thing we ever texted about was uh, reasons to drink during that drinking Literally. And it was it was incredible. It wasn't like, uh, like yeah, you want to go get a beer or something? It's like, oh, yeah. if if he gets a double, if we get the uh, daily double, right, then you got to drink twice as long. It was, it was great. It was a great conversation. I loved it. I loved it. But, uh, uh, yeah, so the drunk the, the drunk show would be a lot of was going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, live show. Um, and we have some really cool guests. We got our draft preview coming up in, what, two weeks? Yeah, two weeks, we- I believe. Uh, let me think. That'll be on May 20th or 21st. That'll drop with uh, MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis. Uh, we did it last year. And we're going to do uh, some, uh, maybe some extensive research, if you want to call it. Yes, I am uh, I am starting my studying this weekend. I'm pre- I am prepared to know more about this draft based on Jim Callis' top 200 eventually, or MLB Pipeline's top 200. Oh. I'm gonna know it inside and out, and I'm gonna finally figure out. Yeah, without a doubt. Can we play a game with uh, Jim? Call it Stump Jim Callis. Are we talking trivia or like? No, no, no. We're gonna find a player like in the draft pool that he has no idea who he is. I'm in. Okay. If what do we, what do we get if when he, when when we win? <laughs> the the satisfaction of, of of stumping the best scout in in the game. That's true. Yeah. Okay. That's all I need. Because okay. I'm prepared. I'm prepared prepared to know more about his top 200 than he does. <laughs> I'm. I, that's how committed to, to this interview I'm going to be. Did we just see, like get jobs out of this? Yeah, right. Callus goes back to me. You got to hire these guys. These guys. The, you need these guys. Yeah. That'll do it for this week. This episode of Baseball is Boring, and we'll see you next week. Peace.